0: There are in Scripture over a thousand passages that relate very distinctly to work. God buys us out of slavery to sin and injustice and death into the freedom of work. And when a person is redeemed, it transforms their work.
1: Hey, friends, welcome to our special edition podcast called Faith at Work. I am your host, Pastor Jen Kelly. I'm the women's pastor here at Christ Community Church, and I am joined by my new friend and fellow pastor. He's actually a campus pastor Indeed. at Streamwood, Corey Shoemaker. Hello, friends. We are elated to kick off the very first episode of Faith at Work. In the coming weeks, we will bring you conversations that are all about integrating faith and work and why every job. Matters. We'll be interviewing Christ followers from a variety of work backgrounds, literally experts in the field on this very topic. We have a pediatric ER doctor we're interviewing, small business owners, teachers involved in education. We're even interviewing a coroner. All of these people, followers of Jesus, to give us new insights and practical ways to think about and live out our work. To help us do that though, we have brought in somebody who has thought a lot about this. Today, we get the awesome honor and privilege to be able to introduce you to Dr. Mark Roberts, who happens to be a professor at one of my favorite schools, Fuller Theological Seminary. You're just
2: slightly biased.
1: I am sway biased.
2: Friends, I am really, really excited for this podcast. Faith at Work is a topic that is close to my heart. And uh, to start off, we wanted to bring in somebody who's thought a lot about the Bible and how work fits into the Bible. Maybe you found yourself thinking, does my work even matter? Uh, Maybe you think that your work is going well, but it doesn't have a lot to do with your faith. Maybe you're somebody who's just living for the weekend or living for retirement. I promise you, though, if you engage With us in this journey over the coming weeks, you will be very surprised to see how much God cares about your work, how it is uh, something that shapes you in ways that are profound, and that it is a form of worship, that it can be a way in which God answers our prayer for His kingdom to come here and now. So uh, we are interviewing Mark Roberts today. Mark is the author of eight books, dozens of articles. He's the principal writer of Life for Leaders, the Dupree Center's Daily Devotion. Mark speaks frequently in churches, conferences, and lots of other settings. And we want to say, Mark, welcome. It's a pleasure to meet you. Help us get to know you. Tell us about Mark Roberts, who you are, maybe some things that are about you that wouldn't make it on your resume.
0: I'm glad you're asking me rather than my wife. She'd tell you other secrets. Uh, hey, first of all, I just want to say, Corey and Jen, I love what you're doing. This is really great and so important. And so way to go. And I'm really excited to be a part of this. Thanks for, for inviting me. Absolutely. So things about me that may not show up on the resume. Um so I became a Christian in 1963 when I was six years old because I went forward at a Billy Graham crusade in All Los right, Angeles. Okay. And twice in my life, I've actually I was able to meet Billy Graham and thank him for that, which was pretty cool. Hmm. Uh, my wife Linda and I have been married for 38 years. We have two grown children who are both educators. Uh, my favorite thing in the world is going hiking, especially with family and friends. I, I love nature. Uh, since COVID began. My office literally is outside on my back patio where I do 95% of my work. I'm mm-hmm. actually – when I do a podcast, I record inside so it won't have as much background noise. But I am always outside, even the day when it's 100 degrees. So, okay. All so, right. I was going to say, <laughs> no, not a bad
2: gig in Pasadena, but 100 degrees <laughs> is maybe no, a bit No, it much. works.
0: You know, it would be a lot harder yeah. in a lot of other places. But uh, And, you know, so in, in recent years, as you've mentioned, I've been a pastor and a nonprofit leader, a writer, professor. In my younger days – Uh, I was a gardener, a house painter, a bathroom cleaner, a coin dealer, a sound technician, and a small business manager. So, wow! So, <laughs> yeah, I did a lot of different. Uh, anyway, that's that's some things about me. You're not. I don't generally put all those on the resume.
2: Yeah, generally not. That's that's amazing. I'd love to hear more about the coin dealer thing. I've, I've had one experience yeah. with a coin dealer in my life, and it was memorable. Um, well, <laughs> hey, we here at Christ Community, we want our people to be able to integrate their faith and their work in creative and meaningful ways. In fact, that's our focus this year. It's faith at work. We're going to have a couple sermon series on it, one in the fall, one in the spring. We're excited about that. And uh, you, Mark, have done a lot of work in this area. And our hope for this first episode is that you would help us at Christ Community uh, lay a theological foundation for how God thinks about our work and therefore how we should think about our work. So uh, start for uh, a moment. Describe to us uh, what it is that you do around faith and work.
0: Yeah, sure. So I I was trained as a Bible scholar. I uh, got my PhD in New Testament, thought I was going to be just a professor, but I've spent most of my professional life in pastoral context. I was a senior pastor for a whole lot of years. And, but no matter where I am, whether I'm writing or pastoring or teaching, my chief calling in life is to help folks understand the Bible and then how we live out God's Word each day in real life. Hmm. And I do that mainly through writing and speaking. Um, As you mentioned earlier, in the past 15 years, I've written an online daily devotional. It's now with the DePree Center called Life for Leaders. I've actually written more than 3,000 devotions. Oh my goodness! Which is just kind of crazy. Wow! Uh, And by the way, anybody can sign up for Life for Leaders. It's free if you go to the DePree Center, D-E-P-R-E-E Center website. You can find that Uh, because I do. I try to help folks connect faith with every part of life, but work is really big there. Hmm. And, you know, and so in in that context, what I'm doing is really trying to wrestle with Scripture. What does it mean? What does it mean for our life? And what does it mean for work? And let me just say that there are in Scripture over a thousand passages that relate very distinctly to work. And I know this because the Theology of Work folk, they have a website, Theology of Work, where they've Uh, uh, talked about every passage in Scripture that's related to work, and they've dealt with over a thousand passages. So there Mm. is so much in Scripture there. Often we don't see it, but it's all there. And I love digging that out and sharing it with people.
1: Wow. So you've obviously written and dedicated a lot of time on this particular topic of faith at work. People write about things and take different jobs because there's a correction or a better way that we can think about something or do something. As a pastor, I help shepherd people. Financial advisors, right, they exist to help people solve the problems of either mismanaging their money or helping them to invest um, better. So what is it about work? What are some of the common problems that you are trying to solve or help people correct through your writings and teaching?
0: Well, let's start with the biggest problem of all. According to Scripture, God created the world as good, 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 very good. Work was a part of God's very good world, and work was a good thing, Hmm. and was given to us as a way that we could make a difference in this world and, 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 in a sense, partner with God in God's work. And that was all awesome. But then you get to Genesis 3, and sin enters in the picture, and that causes a big stinking problem when it comes to work. And specifically, work is mentioned in that passage as part of what gets messed up. For the woman, the work of giving birth now is, is going to be done with pain, and, and so that's not the way it was originally supposed to go. And for the man, there's thorns and thistles. So, the number one problem when it comes to work. We live in a world that has been uh, uh, tarnished and and broken apart by sin, Mm. and that includes work. Uh, A related problem, though, for many Christians, this would be number two, problem number two, many Christians divide life into sort of God's part and the rest, you know, Mm. the sacred part and the secular part. Mm. And God cares about the secular part, so that's how I'm with my family and church and my personal quiet time and all that, and then the secular part is pretty much irrelevant other than it's a place I can evangelize. Hmm. Now, I, that evangelism is great, but Scripture gives us a very different view of all of creation mattering to God, and so problem number two is there's sort of, the, you know, sacred secular, and, and that's not helpful. Related to that, problem re- number three, and this will be the last one I'll mention, is that Many people think, well, there is work that's on the secular side. That's like holy work, godly work, what you guys do. It's pastors. Mm-hmm. It's what I do. I teach in a seminary. And and that's like really good work. But then every other kind of work is kind of second class mm-hmm. because we, we we don't understand that God created everything. Mm-hmm. And all the work we do, if it's good work and God-honoring work, is… is um, well, is that his God-honoring work? So this whole idea that there's sort of really holy, pious, godly work, and then all the rest, that's a, a, an implication of this divide, sacred-secular, In it's really not what Scripture teaches. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so I want to tap into that a little bit more, because the sacred-secular divide, I think, is really important for us to be able to understand and live our faith and work from a holistic viewpoint. Mm-hmm. So what do you think it is— about our work and our faith to integrate both of those that feel so counterintuitive to so many Christians?
0: Well, you know, part of it is just, it, for those of us who've been raised as Christians, um, that's just kind of the underlying assumption of things in church. I, I mean, when I grew up and I always go to Sunday school and love my church, I had a great church, but I hardly ever heard about how Faith was being lived out in the workplace, even by like my Sunday school teachers who were probably living their faith in the workplace. They just didn't talk about it. But if ever anybody like felt the call to the ministry, then man, I mean, we mm-hmm. we brought out the trumpets and right. we 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 celebrate and, mm-hmm. and that is something we're celebrating. But we, we didn't celebrate if somebody said, Well, I called a teaching or I feel God's calling mm-hmm. me to be a banker or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And so part of it is just what we experience. And and that shapes us. And so we just kind of assume that, you know, faith is over here and work is over here. Uh, Sometimes it's it's even worse. Sometimes, you know, comments made about workers in sermons or teaching are kind of negative. They always assume it's about materialism or whatever else. But mostly it's a matter of, of just things being ignored. And I'll, I'll tell you, when I, I first really discovered that, I'd been a senior, I'd been an associate pastor and then a senior pastor for 25 years of my life. Mm-hmm. I went to Texas, was working in a nonprofit organization, and was worshiping in church. I'm no longer the pastor. I'm just, you know, I'm a guy worshiping in the church. Mm-hmm. And it was at a time when the economy wasn't so good. And so the pastor was praying that day. And prayed for the people in our church who are out of work and dear lord please help them to find jobs and all that just like you would. And then he said, and so lord we also ask you to bless the businesses in our community mm-hmm. and bless the owners of this business of these businesses and give them vision and, mm-hmm. and bless them financially so they can hire people. And I sat there and I thought I never once in my life prayed like that. Wow. Mm, that's good. Wow. And it was it was really it was a moment of sort of shock and then sort of repentance, like,
1: mm. oh, my gosh.
0: Mm. And so, because I, if you had asked me when I was senior pastor, oh, do you think work is second class? I would have said no. But the practices of the church shape us so much, whereas if you look at the biblical picture that really brings work and worship together, mm. the practice of worship should actually support our living, our faith at work. It's just we don't do that very often mm. and very well. That's
2: good. So you're saying that you you weren't born out of the womb having a good theology of work. You actually, this has been a journey that you've been on yourself where you had sort of an aha moment early on, like, ah, this is is something that we can integrate. That's really good. So around Christ community, we have... Um, a paradigm that we uh, typically use as the the storyline of Scripture, as we explain the storyline of Scripture, the arc of the Bible to people, uh, and it's the four acts of of the story, which is creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And so we look at a variety of things uh, through that that lens. It's an easy way to encapsulate uh, the summary of God's salvation history. And so I wonder, especially if you're saying there's a thousand verses about work, I'd imagine those aren't aren't all clustered in one on one end of the Bible. They're spread throughout. So could you sort of give us a theology lesson, Dr. Roberts? Uh, take <laughs> some time and walk us through uh, what does work look like in creation? You kind of dabbled in that a little bit. Uh, what does the fall mean for work? Uh, redemption, when Jesus entered the picture? What did, did he have anything to say about work at all? Uh, and then restoration, Jesus' return, and uh, the hope of all things made new and right. How does our work play into that framework?
0: Sure. Well, first of all, let me say, that is, it's an, that is an awesome and, and super helpful way to think about the whole of life as Christians. And I, I love the way you're approaching it. Second thing I just to say, so I teach a doctoral seminar, and we do this very thing, and it takes 40 hours. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm <laughs> yes. going to try and do it in about five minutes. <laughs> yeah, and, you and, uh, but, you know, and if folks want more, they get more. So creation mm. is so important. This grounds everything. This is really, and this is where so many Christians miss out because we don't pay attention to it. Because if you look at creation of work, first thing you see, hey, God is working. (laughs) Genesis even refers to God's work. Number one, God's Mm -hmm. a worker. And if God is a worker, then that tells us a lot of things. Like, God's work is good. God says it's good. So, Mm work must be good. Mm. The fundamental goodness of work is is right there in creation. Mm. And then God creates human beings in God's own image. And and we're in the image of God the worker. The basic commandment to human beings, you know, isn't go to church or read your Bible. It's Mm. what? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and Mm. subdue it, which is a way of saying, here's some different dimensions of work. Mm. In Genesis 2, human beings are to work in the world, helping it to be productive, but also to protect and care for it. Mm. So, creation affirms the goodness and value of work and the material world in which work happens. Mm. That's absolutely foundational, because if you don't get that, then you get off track mm. in the next chapter, which is the fall or sin. Uh, but if you start with sin, then you're missing out this this crucial foundational teaching on work. However, the second chapter is super important because it it we see that God created everything to be good and wonderful and work, and then boom, human beings choose to disobey God. Mm. And the goodness of of creation is tarnished. Mm. God's good creation begins to unravel, and our our relationships get all messed up. Our relationship with each other, with ourselves, our relationship with God, and our relationship with nature Mm. or work. Mm -hmm. And so, for the woman, there's now pain and childbirth. For the man, there's still work to be done but thorns and thistles. Mm. Notice, we are still to work, Mm -hmm. but the work we do now has been shaped by sin and touched by sin and, Mm. and hurt by sin underneath there's still that goodness but there's something really broken and wrong Hmm. and we experience that in work okay third chapter redemption now christ came to redeem us we believe that as christians Hmm. mostly in my experience for much of life uh, that redemption had almost everything to do with individual souls And and thank Mm -hmm. God. I mean, Mm -hmm. Jesus came to save us from our sin, and he loves us individually, and we have personal faith in Christ, and that's all good. And that is in part to fit us for heaven. But redemption has so much more that the cross of Christ begins to make right that which is wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, That redemption happens, and, and it touches not just the spiritual part of us, but it's meant to touch everything. Redemption, of course, is literally buying somebody out of slavery hmm. into freedom. Hmm. God, it buys us out of slavery to sin and injustice and death into the freedom of work. And when a person is redeemed, it transforms their work. Hmm. You see this profoundly in the in the gospel of Luke, with the example of Zacchaeus, you know, the tax collector, ah, yes. and he's the guy that climbed the tree and everything. He has this profound encounter with Christ. Christ doesn't even tell him what to do, he immediately hmm. says, boy if I've wronged anybody I'm going to make it right and, and I'm going to now live in my work mm. as a redeemed person that's good um, Ephesians 2 talks about already in Christ we've been raised from death to life and we are God's workmanship uh, created for in, in Christ, Christ Jesus for good works mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and so the redemption begins to touch everything now and that's really going to touch our work. And then there's restoration, and that's really looking to the future when God finally puts it all back together. And you know, the biblical vision of the future is not God's going to wipe everything out, and then we all go up to to this kind of spiritual, heavenly place and hang out there. The biblical picture is of a new heaven and a new earth. And in, in Ephesians 1, um, the writer of that letter, Paul, lays out what he calls God's big plan, plan for the fullness of time. Mm-hmm. And he says that plan is to gather up all things in Christ, things in heaven and on earth, or the New International Version has to bring to unity everything in Christ. In other words, the grand plan is to take the shattered, broken everything and through Christ to bring it back together hmm. and so the, the hope of the future is the restoration of all things. and again, that's something we begin to live out now. Ephesians 2, for example, talks about how that, that unity happens in reconciliation between people who are form, formerly enemies. Mm-hmm. And so even in this life, we're, we're yes, we are hoping. For the the fullness of restoration that comes in the future, but even now we begin to live into it. And so, there in one of the classic places, and this I'll end with this in First Corinthians 15, Paul is goes into some depth over the how the the our bodies are resurrected, the resurrection of the body, and how great that is. And there's this text that's pretty. Um, pretty familiar. It says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Mm -hmm. The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is is resurrection. This is Mm -hmm. victory. And then Paul says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work Mm -hmm. of the Lord, Mm -hmm. because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Hmm. And and again, this doesn't mean only church work. This is the work of your life. And so the the hope of the restoration sort of flows back into the present, and and it says, okay, now with that hope, give yourself fully to your work, because you know that it's not in vain. Okay, I'll stop there.
2: That's really good. That's good. Hey, something came to mind as you're describing that that arc of uh, Scripture. As we look at the person of Jesus, when we to think of what did Jesus come to do? Uh, we, yeah. we typically talk about three, roughly three years of his life. <laughs> we tell the right. we tell the uh, you know the birth story, maybe dabble in there about the temple when he's a, a young boy, and then we skip right to his uh, his ministry uh, at around the age of thirty. But uh, but we know that Jesus uh, trained under his his dad as a as a carpenter, maybe as a stonemason. Um, what does it tell you about being human? that when Jesus put on flesh and became human, that he actually spent a good chunk of his life working a manual job?
0: I mean, when I first thought that, it blew my mind, literally. I I just, because, okay, God comes to dwell on earth, right? (laughs) (laughs) And God only has so much time, around 33 years. Mm -hmm. God in human form. Jesus, the Word of God incarnate, God is here living among us for about three years doing what we would call his ministry, although I think that is not quite the best way to Mm. refer to his whole life. But anyway, his messianic ministry, Mm -hmm. let's put it that way. But from, as you say, from about the age of 12 to about the age of 30, which is about 18 years, Mm -hmm. God in human flesh was a carpenter, a stonemason, as you say, many think that is, and also a small business owner. Mm -hmm. I mean, he he didn't just do the work, he owned the family business, because his dad uh, uh, quite presumably died along the way. Mm -hmm. Okay, the god of the universe thought it was not a waste of time to spend 18 years, Mm -hmm. uh, that's about 80% of his adult life, doing very ordinary work. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I mean... It's still when I talk about it, it still blows me away. Because mm. if I mean, not only have God-affirming work and being the work on creation, mm-hmm. but I mean, I've can't, can't you hear a lot of Christians, you know, and I would have once been them advising God, look, while you're on Earth, yeah. why don't you do a little more of the ministry Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and stop building mm. tables and chairs? Mm. Yeah. And mm. God says, no, you don't understand. Mm. You know this. This is as godly a work as anything else I'll be doing. It's just, it's a mind-blowing thing. Wow.
1: Yeah, so you actually wrote in a devotional called Living Fully, Living Gratefully, Gratitude in Your Daily Work. You wrote that no matter the work you do, as long as it is consistent with biblical teaching, it contributes to God's work in the world. It is something Mm -hmm. you can do for God's purposes and glory. Um, And we want you to expand on that and speak directly, maybe Mm. to our listeners who are right now working in a job, whether it be plumbing or teaching or the mom at home, who feels like their job isn't as spiritual or sacred as someone in ministry. What would you say to them?
0: Man, well, you know, the first thing is just, I I get where you are. Mm. And, you know, there's a lot of work. And, And sometimes, I mean, you folks work for the church I'm sure you have some days where you're thinking, "I don't really like this job." Now maybe that's there after you, but there's a reality. Never, Mark. And never. never and, yet, that. and yet, some work is is you know routinely hard, and it's hard to get the sense of greater meaning or or godliness of work. So, what would I say to that mom who's you know <laughs> changing diapers and you know, I, I mean, mom of young children is an amazing thing. I, I just, it it, blows, it it was something when my, I was close to my wife when we did that. Or, or people who just say, yeah, it's like, yeah, man, my job just, I don't know how to think about it. First thing I'd say is remember what Jesus did. Hmm. I mean, Jesus was making tables and chairs and building walls and doing whatever, dealing with cranky customers, supply chain issues, uh-huh. you know. Yeah. So be encouraged that that does a couple of things. One, it says that Jesus really understands what you're going through. Hmm. Jesus really gets it and the second thing is and jesus has by his example shown that what you're doing has has value now again if it's if it's good work i mean if you're stealing from people that's not you know that's not a god honoring thing but if if you're doing a lot of the things we do either for pay that just doesn't have much meaning or the unpaid work you know that this is a way to use what god has given you to contribute to the world, and when you do that, and you do that with the intention of honoring God, God is glorified in your work, even if the work is very plain. You know, sometimes we we you probably have heard of this um, book, "Practicing the Presence of God" by Brother Lawrence, a classic book of this monk who wrote about how he sort of encountered God in his work. Well, if you read the book. He was working in the kitchen of this monastery. you read this book, you realize he hated the work, <laughs> he didn't like it at all. But he learned in this work that he hated to experience God's presence. And I mean, so if somebody's, one of the, the mom or the people we're talking about, I mean, go read Brother Lawrence's, it's short, it's easy, and it'll, it'll give you an example of somebody who learned to experience God's presence even in work that he didn't, didn't like.
2: Mm, That's good. I like that. Okay, so we're gonna rapid fire some questions off that have some more practical Uh application here to some of our people. Uh, There's a good chance that the vast majority of folks listening right now are either retired, or thinking Uh a lot about retirement, maybe orienting their whole life around Uh retirement. So uh, retirement is a is almost an assumption in American culture, Uh, we it is baked into our very culture, and uh, kind of common wisdom. Uh, But I, I One would be hard-pressed to find the word retirement in Scripture or maybe the concept. So uh, help us to think about the concept of retirement through a biblical lens.
0: Man, well, you as you may know if you looked at my website, I mean, now you're in what is my sweet... So I have two sweet spots in my work right now. One is writing Life for Leaders Devotions, and the other is what we call our Flourishing in the Third Third of Life mm, Initiative. That's good. So this is actually where I'm putting the majority of my time. Why? Because... The stories we've been told about getting older, about retirement at all, the stories in our culture are, are really hurtful to us. And not only that, but they, they keep us from experiencing extraordinary fruitfulness and opportunity when, when we realize some really basic things about life in relationship to retirement. So, number one, like you said, there's only one place in the Bible that kind of mentions retirement, and that's the Levites. Uh, They were supposed to do their Levite work in the temple from 25 to 50, and then they retired, although it says that they're to help out the younger guys. Mm -hmm. So they didn't fully—they become, you might say, mentors or coaches or something like that. So there's a special
2: dispensation for pastors is what you're saying. We're the only ones who should be able to retire?
0: (laughs) Well, actually, it's more like the church custodian because the Levites were doing heavy lifting, which is probably why they— could stop at at 50. But otherwise, what you get throughout Scripture is the sense that God calls us to be productive and fruitful in life, and that doesn't stop. You know, John 15, Jesus doesn't say abide in me and say abide in you and you'll bear much fruit until you get to be 65, and then it's cool. Just go play. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the key, key passages for us in our work is Psalm 92, verses 12 to 15. It's It's just this amazing text because it says, The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. In old age, they still produce fruit. They are always Mm. green and full of sap, showing Mm. that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. In old age, they still produce fruit. Actually, I I love this verse. In the original Hebrew, it literally says, with gray hair, they still produce fruit. Mm -hmm. And what hair I have left is, well, I'd probably say white, but Mm -hmm. this is a vision of living fully and fruitfully, uh, not just when you're young or in middle age, but through the whole span of life. And that's a promise for us. There are so many people well-intended good people who think, well, I retired now, I, I got nothing left to do, and God has nothing left for me to do. And there's tons of research that says, number one, that's not good for people. People who retire like that actually live shorter time and live with more illness and problems because they're, they're not living for purpose. Those who wow. who have, on the other hand, a clear sense of purpose mm. in later life are those who flourish in amazing ways. I was just reading a very recent study that just came out this last year that found that very older adults who have a very strong sense of purpose continue to be vital even when they have all of the physical signs of Alzheimer's. So retirement, now it doesn't mean you have to you know keep working full-time at the job you've always done until you drop dead. But retirement can be a transition from a, a certain way of working to another way of working and and a new way of investing your life and your goal, your your talents and your gifts in things that really matter and uh, as you may tell from what i've just done here i'm i'm pretty excited about this hmm. potential because yeah. this is a promise of god for people and and this is good
1: news yeah that's so good all right so we kind of want to flip the script last Rapid-fire question. Uh, Great Uh resignation is happening, lots of shifting in the job market. Discontentment in work is something most of us, if not all of us, have wrestled with at some point in our life. What criteria should a Christian be thinking through when they are applying for a job or thinking of working somewhere?
0: Man, you know, that is such a good question, and especially now, because you're right, there is so much restlessness And I I don't mean that in a critical way. I I think one of the things the pandemic has done is it's given us a a new look at our life. And for many people, they say, well, I I don't like that life I had. (laughs) I thought I did, but now I don't Mm -hmm. really like that life. Mm -hmm. And so, all right. So if people are thinking, man, what kind of work should I do? What kind of job should I look for? Uh, There's no one size fits all answer, but here are some questions people I think should ask, and this is coming from the biblical side of things. I mean, one question is: Does this work allow me to be fruitful? Hmm. You know, does it allow me to use the gifts that God has given me to create something good? Now, that can be very different kinds of things, right? I'm not just saying, you know, that's church work. You know, it it could be um, uh, wonderful. I well, I'll I'll give an example a little bit of of folk who do this, but uh, so is will this job allow me to be fruitful and, and use my gifts mm-hmm. in a way uh, is, is this job going to help me help the world somehow to be more productive or mm-hmm. I- to care for it? That's mm-hmm. a Genesis two kind of question. Mm-hmm. Uh, really important here. When I'm thinking about a, a, a job a new job, what do the people in my life who know me and love me, what are they saying to me about mm-hmm. this? In all of my job moves in life i initially was very resistant every mm. time mm. didn't want to do it cuz i'm kind of a loyal stick with it person and in every occasion people who loved me and knew me were the folk of my life saying you know you need to really take this serious mm. you can't just ignore this and so we we need to be the body of Christ together as we work this and and work with each other, work with your small group or your prayer partners or your spiritual director or you know where, wherever you're you're getting, and certainly within your family mm. if you're if you're married or you have parents or whatever. Um, and the other thing is to ask: Will this job allow me to fulfill the responsibilities that God has given me in life, which are not only to use my gifts in work, but I have to pay my bills yeah. support my family sure. uh, yeah. you know and and there's a, there's a pragmatic piece there that we need to consider hmm. i i mean there's so many other things we could say but if i was going to say the, the one big one it is in any major decision in life get with your your christian your core christian community hmm. and talk about it and think about it and pray about it and listen to each other listen to the people who can be honest with you uh, because that's the way God has made us as the body of Christ. And, and when it comes to work, absolutely, we need that kind of community.
2: That's really helpful, Mark. Thank you. Um, I, to wrap up here, uh, one final question. I'm thinking uh-huh. through our listenership, and uh, there's going to be a good chunk of people who find value in this podcast not by changing their job, but rather by changing how they think about their job. Uh, and so I'm wondering if you have encountered somebody, an example of somebody that you know, who had a a sort of aha moment where maybe their work felt like drudgery or it didn't matter to God. And then they encountered a good, healthy biblical theology of work. They understood this on a heart level and it changed them. It changed their life. Do you have such a person uh, on your mind? You
0: know, I do. And, and maybe let me tack on one other, this short piece of somebody who, who's lived with that reality for Hmm. a long time. So the person that, that, Absolutely is the one you're talking about. It's a guy new in Texas. I call him Trevor. And Trevor was a very gifted student. He he went to college in the hope to become a high school teacher, which he really sort of felt like was his God's call in his life. But he gets married in college, his wife gets pregnant. So he has to quit college. And he had to figure out how to make money. So he starts this window washing business. Turns out he's really good at window washing and at mm, business. Mm. And so his window washing business flourishes. Now we're now we're like 18 years later, hmm. and his business is going great, and he's supported his family, but he feels like he, he just isn't serving God. Hmm. He's really discouraged about his work because hey, I'm just a window washer. Sure. Well, as he began to be exposed to what scripture says about work, it transformed his experience in a whole lot of different ways. One is he says, you know, washing windows and the way I I the way I work with my clients this is a way I can actually love them. I mean, it's a loving thing for me to do good work. I charge fair prices. Uh, that was a big thing. He realized that in washing windows, it was, it's not like he's creating art, but he's creating a way for people to experience the natural world. Like if that. you ever had your window watch, yeah. you look at it. Oh, wow. oh, it's so beautiful. So good. it's like, he's, he's adding to the beauty mm-hmm. in, in the world. And it, there are other things too, but he, um, His whole feeling about his work was transformed when he realized that the work he was doing then was work God cared about, that he could honor God, that through the work he could serve and love people and be be faithful as a Christian in his work. And it, it transformed his experience of work. That's a transforming one. But the other one I'll mention, so when I was in Texas, I worked at a retreat center and we had, um, as you would, you our housekeeping crew who'd clean all the rooms. And we had this one woman named Michelle who would clean the room that I would stay in. And they, my room was always amazing. And in mm-hmm. particular, the bathroom. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just like gleaming. And I, I so appreciate One time I said, Michelle, you've been cleaning probably thousands mm-hmm. of times, cleaning bathrooms though. Like, what keeps you going? Mm. <laughs> how do you do this yeah. with such consistent excellence? She said, Oh, that's easy. Really? Oh, that's easy. First thing I think is, I think about the people who are going to be in the room and how much they're going to appreciate this. And so I do it for those people. Mm. So loving people. Mm-hmm. And the second, she says, When I clean a bathroom, I think I'm cleaning this bathroom for God. Mm. And I mean, here's a woman who's doing work that most of us wouldn't aspire to. Right but because of her faith mm-hmm. she had not only great meaning in it but also great excellence in it and it sustained her and i remember thinking that man that is an awesome theology of work from this woman whose work is humble and mm-hmm. hard but it, it, it because she knows that God uses her to serve and love others, mm. and she can serve and love God through her work, mm. it, it gives her great meaning. So I, mm. I hang on to that story. Uh, sometimes when my work's kind of hard, and I think, man, why do I want to still do this? Well, there's some good reasons. I remember Michelle, uh, or I remember, uh, you know, anyway, yeah. I thought that that's a good encouraging story it's that's so one of
2: working like jesus mark uh that's our time thank you so much uh for visiting with us and sharing the time uh remind uh, our people one more time where they can find content that you've written on faith at work yeah,
0: yeah like more content than they'll ever want at our at the dupree center website that's d-e-p-r-e-e dot org hmm. and if they go there You can't miss it. And it's not only stuff I do. It's also stuff my colleagues do. we got a lot of awesome stuff on work. So, and and as I said, on third, third in retirement too. So if you go to the website and just kind of look around a little bit, you'll find all kinds of things. You can find the Life for Leaders devotions. You can find our third, third flourishing work and all kinds of
1: stuff. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening to this week's first episode of Faith at Work. Just so you know, our conversations happen every other week. Our next interview will come from someone who will help you think critically about faith and work intersecting in creative and inspiring ways. Because as we said at the beginning of our time, every single job matters. We want to hear from you, so be sure to subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on email us your suggestions, questions, or ideas to workpodcast at ccclife.org. Lastly, tell your friends that their job matters too and invite them to join along in the conversation. We'll talk to you soon.